28th of June, 2008, Moscow course on appearances. We've been speaking about uh, appearances and how the mind is involved with that. And we've seen that when we speak about uh, appearances, we're speaking about something that appears to a mind. And has a deep relationship with mind. And uh, when we speak about mind, we're speaking about mental activity. And not the actual thing that does it. So, what is mental activity? Mental activity is defined as, uh, with three terms, uh, first is clar- first is clarity, which means giving rise to uh, cognitive appearances. Giving rise to cognitive appearances. Uh, these are the appearances that we've been talking about. That we've been describing as something similar to a mental hologram. And not only that, but another way of describing the process is a cognitive engagement with these Holograms, so it's not just like a mirror giving rise to images. And these are just two ways of describing the same event. And the word merely is added here to indicate that there's no separate me, which is making it happen or standing apart from this and observing it. So we need one point that uh, we need to understand here is that uh, when we speak about this type of mental activity, there's nothing wrong with it. Giving rise to appearances to these mental holograms is what an ordinary mind does. It's what uh, a mind that has uh, correct understanding, non-conceptually avoidness does. It's what a Buddha's mind does. 
There's nothing wrong with this process. When we speak about appearances, yesterday we introduced the point that there is an appearance of what something is and an appearance of how it exists. And although these are mixed together, we can deal with uh, the validity of each uh, separately. Right? This is associated with the fact that when we speak about mental activity, there's the mental activity giving rise to the conventional or relative truth of things and uh, the aspect of the mind giving rise to the deepest truth about things. Deepest truth referring to how it exists. This is how it's explained from the point of view of the Galuk interpretation of Prasangaka. So, when we speak about the uh, conventional appearance of what something is, that can either be accurate or distorted. And so, of course, that we have to understand and realize, recognize whether what I perceive, what appears to me that something is, like you're a monster, whether that's accurate or not accurate. And then, when we refer to the appearance of how something exists, then also that can either be correct how things exist, but for uh, all of us except a, a Buddha, the mind gives rise to a deceptive appearance of how things exist. Also, when we uh, focus non-conceptually on voidness at that time as well, the, we're not, uh, uh, there's no mental activity giving rise to a uh, false way in which things exist. Also, we know that when we are in the Samadhi, 
единонаправленного сосредоточения неконцептуального постижения пустотности, да, то есть на пути А, прямое непосредственное видение абсолютной реальности, наш ум не генерирует эти ошибочные ментальные голограммы, атрибутирующие невозможный способ на воспринимания the uh, apparent, uh, a deceptive appearance of how things exist. The first would be that uh, there is this uh, deceptive appearance and we believe that it corresponds to reality. Первый способ порождения, ну и, соответственно, так сказать, весь процесс ментального функционирования состоит в том, что ошибочная видимость невозможного способа бытия порождает, ну, вернее, ошибочная видимость способа бытия порождается, и мы верим в него. So, if we believe that it corresponds to reality, то есть мы верим, что она соответствует действительности, да, что она истинна, то, как мы видим вещи. That you exist from your own side permanently as an idiot or a monster, for example. Then, uh, on that basis, we develop disturbing emotions, like anger. So if we stop believing in these uh, uh, deceptive appearances of how things exist, then we no longer, there's no longer the arising of disturbing emotions. We become a liberated being. It's called an arhat. But still, there are these appearances arising of impossible ways in which things exist. The point is that we don't believe that they refer to anything real, and so we're not fooled by them. Но не следует думать, что эти ошибочные видимости или искаженные видимости способа бытия воспринимаемых объектов перестают возникать. Они генерируются в нашем уме, но мы в них больше не верим. То есть мы не идем у них на поводу, и они больше не вводят нас в заблуждение. So, for example, you, this person trying to pass me on the road, beeping their horn wildly, appears to me to exist from their own side forever as an idiot, but I know that that's uh, ridiculous. That's just uh, the way my mind is making things appear, and I don't get angry. Например, человек, пытающийся обогнать или подрезать нас на дороге и бешено сигналящий, создающий для нас все эти неудобства, мы порождается в уме видимость того, что он такой самосущий, изначальный, постоянный идиот, который портит мне жизнь. Но в то же время мы смеемся над этим, зная, что это не так. But to become a Buddha, what we need to do is to stop forever the mind giving rise to this deceptive appearance of how things exist. Сверх, 
because when our mind gives rise to uh, an impossible way of things existing, then, for instance, it gives rise to things appearing as if they existed isolated just by themselves. To use a simple example. And so we are not able to perceive, for example, if I teach something to someone, then what will be all the effects of that from now forever? Not only on this person, but on everybody that this person interacts with. And when I perceive somebody having certain state of mind, certain level of disturbances, Uh, it appears to exist just isolated by itself without all the other causes that, and conditions that brought this about from, with no beginning. So if we really want to be able to benefit others as best as is possible, we have to get the mind to stop producing appearances as if things were encoded in plastic just existing by themselves, so that we can see the interconnectedness of everything, and the most relevant point of that is in terms of cause and effect. So, as a Buddha, the omniscient mind of a Buddha gives rise to appearances. These are known as pure appearances, which are not only accurate in terms of what things are, but they are also accurate in terms of how things exist. Now, we started to look at the uh, analysis, presentation of these mental aspects or mental holograms or appearances uh, in terms of the different Indian philosophical schools as explained by the Galuk tradition of Tibet, 
We started with the Sautranticas. Now, in terms of Sautrantika, Sautrantika asserts that there are two types of uh, phenomenon. What's called objective entities and metaphysical entities. And objective entities would be things like external objects. And to speak in very general terms, they are objectively real. Right, without getting into all the technical jargon of uh, how they exist. So, we can speak of the forms of physical phenomenon. We can speak about ways of being aware of something. Like seeing, thinking, happiness, uh, anger, etc. And uh, we can also think about uh, what is known as non-congruent affecting variables, which are basically uh, things that are objectively true, but and which change from moment to moment, like forms of physical phenomenon and ways of being aware, but are in neither of those two categories. Uh, right, and they're non-congruent in the sense that they don't share certain uh, qualities together with the uh, cognition in which they occur, in which one is aware of them. Affecting variables, they affect what we experience. Okay. Non-congruent affecting variable. This is a very difficult term. Two parts to it in Tibetan. Denmin and Duche. Duche means something which affects other things. Let me me talk about examples so we know what we're talking about. Things like motion or aging or a person. Right? Motion moves things from one place to another. It affects things. Aging affects a body. A person can drink a glass of water. 
движение перемещает объекты, да? движение вызывает изменения во внешнем мире, объекты перемещаются, изменяют свое местонахождение. Старение, очевидно, изменяет объекты и живых существ. Персона функционирует, личность функционирует, она может выпить стакан воды, никто не будет. Персона или личность может причинить нам вред, может помочь нам. So they affect what we experience. Она функционирует, она оказывает эффект, она влияет на наши переживания. Да? But they don't have, they're not a form of physical phenomenon. Но это не форма, это не физический феномен, не материальный феномен. It doesn't have a color and a shape and these things. Нельзя определить его в терминах протяженности, цвета, формы и прочего, да? And it is not like ways of being aware of something. Which when they occur together in one moment of cognition, they share they are congruent with each other. Congruent means that they share five characteristics with each other. Когда возникает сознание в единый момент времени, да, сознание, если определить, попытаться внести это в категорию сознания, тогда это должно быть конкурентно при наложении, а именно разделять одни и те же пять базовых характеристик. По-тибетски «денмин» — это отрицательная конструкция, «демпа» — глагол от «обладать», «обладать», «иметь», а «мин» — отрицание, «денмин» — не имеющая, не владеющая, не обладающая. Чем не обладающая? Этими пятью базовыми характеристиками, не позволяющими отнести сознание. So Well, not the Kundrugan, just giving any examples of things that go together, including the disturbing emotions, the positive emotions. All of them, for instance, are congruent, meaning that they all are aimed at the same object, occur at the same time, etc. Когда мы говорим о неком когнитивном акте, да, о неком сознании, то, что позволяет нам отнести во вторую категорию, мы говорим о наличии соприсутствующих пяти базовых характеристик, да? Если мы воспринимаем что-то, с этим обязательно сопряжено некое чувство в отношении этого, некая концентрация или направленность сознания на это и прочее. Это так называемые пять весущих ментальных факторов, да, What is relevant here in our discussion is that they all give rise to one appearance. И все они дают возможность возникнуть одному восприятию, одной видимости, да? Они соприсутствуют в нем. Appearance is something that arises. Don't think of appearance as uh, just visual. So this becomes an interesting question. When we have a moment of experience, there is an appearance. There's something that arises. Some sort of mental hologram. Нечто возникает в уме, да, то, что мы называем ментальной голограммой. So, what is the content of this mental hologram? И каков контент, каково наполнение этой ментальной голограммы? Yesterday, we spoke just in terms of, for instance, if it's uh, seeing something, like seeing a, a, a human being, 
the body of a human being or the body of a dog, there's colored shapes and also the conventional object of, yesterday we were saying a dog, but actually let's get a little bit more precise, a body. И вчера мы говорили о том, что в визуальном, скажем, когнитивном акте, да, когда мы смотрим на что-то, воспринимаем что-то, познаем, видим, мы делили а, на восприятие а, неких визуального объекта, цветов, форм, очертаний и некого конвенционального, да, или условного объекта, собаки, так называемый. А, ну, будем точнее, в данном случае, некого, некого тела, да? So, now... Is there a separate hologram or not? Is it part of the same hologram in which there is also the arising, not just in terms of seeing this thing, but also feeling uh, unhappy and fear and attention? Are those separate mental holograms? that are arising, that these are also in the, in, when we're talking about appearance, we're talking about the arising of these things as well. Or is it all part of one hologram? И теперь возникает такой закономерный вопрос, и очень важный вопрос, на который необходимо ответить. Все эти соприсутствующие ментальные факторы, возникают ли они и присутствуют ли они в рамках одной и той же голограммы, или для каждого, для каждого существует отдельная голограмма, отдельное восприятие или видимость, да? видя эту собаку или это тело, чувство страха, которое мы испытываем параллельно или одновременно, или чувство гнева, которое мы испытываем одновременно, или тот фокус внимания, направленность внимания, которое мы также испытываем, функционирует одновременно. Как они существуют с этой голограммой? So, although we can mentally differentiate between all these factors and all these aspects within a hologram, a mental hologram. In fact, what we're talking about is one hologram, one mental event. И хотя на ментальном уровне мы можем дифференцировать, мы можем различить, разделить все эти аспекты и говорить о них как по отдельности, да, вот это страх, вот это направление направленное внимание, фокус вот этого способа бытия, вот это вот конвенциональный условный объект, да, но на самом деле они все присутствуют в рамках одной голограммы. I remember we mentioned a little bit briefly at the end yesterday, there's also the same thing when you see a whole visual field. Is there different, <laughs> you know, is it all together in one mental event or are there little mental events of each colored uh, shape putting it together or these sort of things? This is uh, a very interesting point. Это очень интересный момент, действительно важный вопрос. Мы вчера на нем вкратце останавливались, вспоминали его, когда обсуждали восприятие такого разнопланового визуального поля. Да? Что это такое? Это одна голограмма, воспринимаемая целиком, или это разные голограммы, которые неким образом синтезируются, выхватываются, то есть отдельные цвета и формы, и затем складываются вместе. Как это все устраивается в когнитивном акте? So when we speak about this mental hologram, then we have to discuss the different aspects of it. So there is a... The content has two aspects. One is an object of awareness and one is the awareness aspect. And talking about this hologram, we need to analyze it 
начинать говорить о двух ее базовых аспектах. Первое – это объектный аспект, и второе – субъектный или сознание, занимающее. Right. I think we need to avoid words like subject here, because subject sounds like we're talking about the person who's perceiving this. Let's not get into that complication. We're just talking about the, the mental thing. The awareness of something. Okay, so we were speaking about natal sources like an oven for a loaf of bread. So, according to Sautrantika, the um, object that appears in the mental hologram, let's say the colored uh, shapes and the conventional object, a body, its natal source is from the external objective entity, an actual body, actual dog, and so on, that exists in the moment before you perceive it. В терминах понимания целутрантики процесс происходит следующим образом. Некий внешний объект, та собака или там та чашка или что бы это ни было, то есть существовавшее в реальности за мгновение уже до возникновения когнитивного акта, встречи с нашим сознанием, оно проецирует в качестве печи, да, выдающей этот хлеб, проецирует наше сознание, эти ментальные голограммы служат источником для их возникновения голограммы цветов, паттернов всех этих форм и формы цветов и самого условного объекта, да, там собаки или чашки and the natal source of the the cognitive part of this hologram the awareness parts with the seeing and the happiness and the unhappiness and the anger and the fear and so on All of that is coming from a natal source in terms of the mental continuum. So that would be what's known as a karmic seed or a tendency. So a tendency for that for anger, tendency for seeing, you know, dogs as opposed to a tendency of seeing dinosaurs. порождающий источник со стороны воспринимающего сознания, объясняется как поток сознания, ментальный континуум, а именно кармические семена, когнитивные, заключенные в нем, и обусловленные таким образом, что они являются семенем, созревающим восприятие собаки или чашки, а не динозавра. Okay, now then there's two points of view from... The Abhidharma Kosha, one Indian text, it says that all the factors and the, the primary consciousness seeing and so on uh, come from, in one cognition, one moment, come from different karmic tendencies, but they come together and form one coherent appearance. <laughs> вездесущих факторов, которые с этим связаны, да, радость по этому поводу видения этой собаки, страх, фокусированность ума, знания и прочее, да, все, что все присутствует. 
Затем существуют различные традиции объяснения того, как это происходит. Да, тут вопрос усложняется. И в традиции Абхидхармы, индийского такого очень влиятельного... Абхидхарма Коша, мы говорим о Васубанху, и именно эту позицию принимается у Трантика, говорится, что происходят эти элементы из разных кармических отпечатков, но затем сочленяются в такую единую целостную ментальную голограмму, в такую видимость, которая воспринимается целиком. Но каждая проецируется из отдельного кармического символа. Например, мы же можем видеть это животное, не испытывая страха. But uh, Abhidharma Samuchaya, the other uh, main Abhidharma text, which is followed by the Chittamatras, that we'll discuss a little bit later, they say that the whole mental event comes out of one karmic tendency, one karmic seed, because it's a coherent event. So these are very relevant points. They're not just uh, abstract uh, uh, philosophy. Because in one moment we are experiencing something. We're experiencing not just the appearance of some object, but we're also experiencing all sorts of ways of being aware of something. And we can, you know, if we know where they're, you know, what is the natal source of them, then we can try to work on You know, is there, anything, is there any problem with seeing a dog? No, there's no problem with seeing a dog. Is there a problem with the appearance of the dog? Well, not in terms of what it is, maybe in terms of how it exists as this monster that is going to attack me. That may be accurate, that may not be accurate. So we have to check these things. And we check what we дурное в видении собаки. Нет ничего восприятия собаки. Вполне нейтральный акт. Если что-нибудь дурное в видении собаки, как монстра, который собирается меня атаковать в этом восприятии, да, в этой видимости, да, пожалуй, в этом есть проблема. Итак, нам очень важно разобраться с этими натальными источниками, да, с тем, что порождает те или иные восприятия и а, иметь возможность работать с ними. I mean, all dogs bite? Or what's, you know, what, what's the appearance here? Проецируем ли мы вовне это восприятие все собаки кусачьи, да, все собаки злые и, соответственно, действуем исходя Right, and so, and then, of course, how dogs exist and so on, how this dog exists. That's uh, another aspect of what's appearing. Какой у нее способ бытия, каким является нам способ бытия воспринимаемых объектов, той же собаки, да? And then, of course, there are the aspects of fear and attention and so on, And so, what is it that we would want to work on in order to be able to experience this, seeing this animal without any problem? So, 
боязнь и прочее, 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 в котором мы хотим работать, которые нам могут быть неприятны, мы должны понять, откуда они происходят, где их этот родовой источник, да, откуда они берут начало. So the analysis helps us to locate where the various problem areas are in our moment-to-moment experience of appearances. Now, our discussion came from non- the analysis of non-congruent affecting variables. And so, for instance, when we talk about motion or we talk about a person, they are not like a way of being aware of something. It's not that they are coming out of some karmic seed. It's not that they are... Uh, focusing on the same object as everything else in that moment of cognition. It doesn't share, it doesn't have this, the, a person or motion isn't coming from the natal source, the same natal source as the seeing and the fear. By person, we also mean like an individual being, an individual limited being. So the dog is also a person in that sense. It's an individual sentient being or limited being. So, in a sense, the natal source is from this external object, the motion the natal source of the motion or of the individual being. Those are objective entities. But unlike a, a form of a physical phenomenon, it doesn't have a, a shape and color and so on. Or a smell, etc. The body has a shape and color. The body has a smell, but not the motion of the body. So these factors like motion and an individual being are what is known as imputedly knowable. (coughs) 
They are imputedly, imputably knowable. It's the same word as to label. To designate. Anyway. What this means is that the we have to the mind I mean this is just an easy way of saying there has to be the arising of another mental hologram first prior to the cognition of this thing and also uh, in other words there has to be a mental hologram that of something else that's arising the moment immediately before and also at the same time as the, the hologram of this. In other words, first there has to be a hologram of a body right here in this spot. And then the next moment there's a hologram of a body in, you know, two centimeters away from it. Now on the basis of that we can impute motion and see motion. So there has to be something right before and then something after that's, that is still appearing and you impute on it motion. Or first there's a body and then together with a body, a being, an individual being, a person. Непосредственно предшествующее во времени и наличествующее в момент этого обозначения некого тела, в неком точке пространства, некой точке пространства. Да. Затем она сменяется ментальной голограммой этого же тела в другой точке пространства, в двух сантиметрах в сторону, да, и на базе этих двух ментальных голограмм, этого наблюдения или этого восприятия, мы обозначаем движение. Или присутствует некое тело, мы поверх него обозначаем Okay. I mean, how do you see motion? We do see motion. Motion does objectively exist. Okay. <laughs> so this is uh, different then from what's known as self-sufficiently knowable phenomenon. Self-sufficiently means that you don't have to perceive there doesn't have to be a hologram of something different the moment before and at the same time in order to perceive it. Like a body. Okay, we see the colored shapes and the body uh, because we see a conventional object, the body, and we don't have to perceive something before in order to be able to perceive it. It's self-sufficiently knowable. Mm-hmm. 
So now we can ask the question, what about the relationship between perceiving the whole and the parts? Perceiving the whole, is that something which is imputably knowable or is it self-sufficiently knowable? Do you have to see the parts first and then the next moment you see the whole? No. From the Buddhist analysis, you see the part and the whole simultaneously, and therefore it's not imputably knowable. Imputably knowable means that you have to have seen the parts first, and then seen the parts and the whole together. The same thing in terms of seeing some basis for qualities and the qualities. Here we're talking about an object and its colored shapes, the sight of the object. It's not that you have to see the object first and then you see the sight, the colored shape of the object, or that you see the colored shape and then you see the object. Yeah, the conventional object. Or the defining characteristics. It's not that you see first the defining characteristics of this animal and then the next moment you figure out it's a dog. You see the defining characteristics and the dog at the same time. Now, you might not know that it's a dog. That's something else. But still, you see the dog at the same time. You see the defining characteristics of the dog. Okay. So, just one more point before we have our break. So, when we talk about non-conceptual cognition, sense cognition, seeing, or smelling, or hearing, etc., there is a mental hologram, so we perceive it or see it through a mental hologram, which is a mental representation. And that mental hologram is something which will change from moment to moment. It's non-static. Objektem, 
although it's not an external object, nobody else can see it. No. Well, then let's not get into that, because then there's extrasensory perception and so on, but in any case, it's not exactly like an external phenomenon. And its natal source is of the uh, object aspect of it is from a an objective entity external existing externally the moment before cognition. And according to Galuk explanation, the mental hologram is fully transparent. So through it we actually see the external object. And so we see not so we see both. Basically we see the mental aspect or the, the hologram and the animal, that animal in front of us. And we see as objective entities not only colored shapes. We actually see an object, a thing, and it's an animal, and we see not only a body, I mean, the thing that we see is not just a body, but we can also see the motion of the body, and we can also see that it is a, a living being, an individual living being. Right? Not just a picture of a dog that somebody is moving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One more thing that needs to be added about common sense objects, or they're also called conventional objects of experience. They, remember we were speaking about them as uh, objects that extend over all the sense information and also endure over time, not just one micro-instant. But there's more that we need to uh, understand about them. When we say endures over from moment to moment, that doesn't mean that it's static. Of course, it changes from moment to moment. Nevertheless, it is something which, this is part of the definition, it holds its own individual essential nature.
Но а, у них есть такое качество, которое позволяет их идентифицировать как отдельные объекты или сущности. It holds its own individual essential nature, and that means that it holds its own individual conventional identity as this and not that. And it's distinguishable from other individual items. In other words, it retains its individuality as a thing. Even though it is a continuity of ever-changing moments. And when we talk about holding its own individual conventional identity as this and not that, we have to add that is established as valid in relation to certain groups of beings. So, for instance, we have this classic example of glass with liquid is, uh, holds the identity of water for human beings, of nectar for the gods, and pus for the ghosts. So it holds its essential, its individual identity as this and not that in relation to a specific group, and it's valid as water, pus, or nectar for that group. So it's relative. Классический пример этого это стакан с водой, да, который всегда а, в учениях описывается как стакан, содержащий воду, а некую чистую субстанцию, утоляющую жажду. Так она воспринимается людьми. И это истинно верно, и она истинно, и она относительно индивидуальна и остается такой для группы людей. Для группы а, воспринимающих субъектов предков и голодных духов это стакан, стакан наполнен, ну или емкость наполненная отвратительным гноем там, или кровью. Для Okay, so it is validly each of uh, these things. But because we're talking in terms of the Sautrantika school here, uh, one of the defining characteristics of an objective entity is, it, is that it has to perform a function you know, a function which is related to what it is. So, for instance, if I see this dog and I think that uh, it's a door, and I have, even if I have a group of people that agree with me that it's a door, this dog cannot function as a door. Поэтому, 
А если даже я найду группу граждан, которые согласятся со мной, что эта собака, которую мы воспринимаем, является дверью, то это не будет являться корректным восприятием, поскольку нельзя воспользоваться собакой как дверью. However, this liquid does function as nectar or pus or water to either the gods or the ghosts or the humans. В то время как эта вода для нас да, действует и выполняет функцию соответствующую дневной отопительной субстанции для холодных духов, животворящего нектара амрита для богов и утоляющей жажду влаги для людей. So you have to watch out not to think of this in terms of water, which is pus for the ghosts. It's not water, which is pus for the ghosts. It is water for humans, which functions as pus for ghosts. It's not that it is, well, what is it really? It's really water. It's not that. It is equally valid, uh, each of these. So from a Sautrantica point of view, what they would say is that it has its individual identity as an item, as a thing. But then, what thing it is, you know, its nature as water, pus, or uh, nectar is, is something else. It's another type of identity. So it is, I'll give another example, another example, a very, very important example. When we think about a person and we think about future lives or past lives, it's not Alex who, you know, it's really Alex, and in his last life, Alex was Napoleon, and in the next life, Alex will be Fifi the Poodle. The dog. So it's not that it's truly one identity as Alex, which is in the last life this and the next life that, but it is a, a person, an individual being, and that individual being one lifetime is Napoleon, one lifetime is Alex, one lifetime is the Poodle, one lifetime is whatever. So we shouldn't think that. What was the last part? We shouldn't think that, right? No, it is a, from a Sautrantic, it's just a person mm -hmm. as a thing, as an objective entity, which in one lifetime is this, and one lifetime is, one lifetime is that. It's not that it has, it's not that one identity is what it truly is, that it's truly Alex, and I'm going to be reborn as the dog or as whatever. That's a very, very important point when you start to think about rebirth. It's a very important point when we start to think about rebirth. 
практики, с точки зрения соутрантики, говорится, что есть некий объект, но там он функционирует так и именуется так, ну, условно, да, именуется так, здесь функционирует так и именуется так, является кем-то, а в ином, ином круге восприятия является кем-то. Да? То есть это не вода, которая там, то, а здесь все, да, это некий объект, объект условной реальности. И то же самое в, с жизнями, то есть не существует некий Алекс, который до этого был Наполеоном, а потом стал Пуделем, да? существует персона, которая была Наполеон, которая есть Алекс, которая будет Пудель. Okay, so the common sense object retains its uh, individuality, so its individual conventional identity as some item Итак, этот, over time. Этот, And another part of the definition is that it is an object of ordinary experience to which conventions of words and concepts refer. It's what words refer to, what concepts refer to as a common sense object. It's the object of uh, relative... No, it is what words or conventions or concepts refer, refer to. Remember, we said that it holds its individual identity as this and not that. So we have the words this and not that, and it's what those words refer to. You ready for conceptual cognition? When we get into words and conventions and concepts, now we enter into the realm of uh, conceptual cognition. Okay, now let's just stick with Galupa here. Now, when we talk about conceptual cognition, what it involves is metaphysical entities. Remember we said Sautrantika divides what exists. What exists is what can be validly known, divides it into objective entities and metaphysical entities. Итак, помните, мы говорили, что соутрантика подразделяет существующие объекты или объекты, которые могут быть верно познаны на экстренные... No, objective entities and metaphysical entities. Объективные сущности и метафизические сущности. Помните это деление, да? Потом мы рассмотрели объективные Objective entities are things which are non-static, which means it changes from moment to moment, affected by causes and conditions, and affects other things. Remember, we had forms of physical phenomenon and... Uh, ways of being aware and these affecting variables that are neither of these two, these non-congruent affecting variables. Okay, so 
объективно способы познания, да, или на сознание, простыми словами, не на эти неконкурентные, а оказывающие воздействие вариативные факторы, то есть не являющиеся ни тем, ни другим, обладающим данным чем и неконкурентным сознанием. Да? Most of them endure over, have a continuity, a continuum. Most of them, not all. An instant doesn't have continuity. And they perform a function. They do something. That's what it means to affect something else. They do something. Now, when we talk about metaphysical entities, we are talking about things which can be validly known, but they are static, which means that they uh, aren't affected by anything, they don't affect anything else, they don't change. And they don't do anything. There are, of course, a, a list of these things, but the ones which are relative, uh, not relative, relevant to conceptual cognition are categories. So the ones which are relevant to our discussion here are what are no, what I translate as categories. These are often translated as universals or generalities, but I find those not uh, such helpful terms because they bring in many Western associations from Western philosophy which are irrelevant. Мышление или концептуального познания для нас важнее всего здесь такая категория 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 так я предпочитаю переводить термин стебецкого хотя чаще встречается в западной буддийской философской литературе переводы универсалия или общности общения я перевожу категория now we have two types of categories one is an audio category and one is a meaning slash object category. What is an audio, audio category? That is a, a category made of, well, derived from sounds. Это категория, которая извлекается или возникает из звучания, из звука. Think about this in terms of a word like dog. Подумайте об этом в терминах слова, например, собака. It doesn't matter. I mean, when different people can say the word dog, they can say it more loudly, more softly, in a male voice, in a female voice with uh, all sorts of different pronunciations. Uh, 
But no matter who says it, in what kind of voice, it could even be a computer voice, we have the audio category of they're saying the word dog. So they were putting it into, there is a category here that, it, there, that it, all of this is the same word. So there's a category that is derived from all different sounds, uh, you know, ways of pronouncing something. <laughs> Consonants and vowels. Okay. I mean, it's really quite amazing. Otherwise, how in the world would we know that two people with different voices are saying the same word? They are different sounds, after all, aren't they? Then there is a meaning category or object category, which is what this audio, you know, what this audio category is referring to. It's meaning or the objects that it's referring to. So there are many, many animals. That, and from all these various animals, we derive a category of dog. And the, we have made a convention that uh, there are these sounds, which are just totally arbitrary, meaningless sounds from their own side. In English, d, g, in Russian, sa, s, a, b, a, ka. I mean, these are just totally meaningless sounds. And some cavemen or something like that, primitive people came together and decided that this set of sounds is going to have a certain meaning. I mean, that's really very far out. <laughs> Actually, very weird if you think about it, how sounds, arbitrary sounds, came to have significance, that they refer to something. So this is what, so we have audio categories from all the different cave people making grunts or whatever, and people deciding that all of that fits into a, an audio category and it's going to have a meaning category referring to all these animals that we're going to derive from that a category dog. Конвенция каким-то образом должна была возникать исторически. 
This is what we're talking about when we speak about conventions. It is something which is mentally created by one person or a group of people. Language is the best, best example. And there's nothing wrong with language. We need it to communicate. Okay, now, what is a conceptual cognition? It is a cognition that imputes a metaphysical entity, so an audio either just an audio category or both an audio and a meaning category onto a mental hologram. Итак, and it mixes the two. Что такое концептуальное восприятие? Концептуальное восприятие in terms of self-transcript. Well, everybody would agree on this definition. Not just self-transcript. В определении self-transcript и все другие школы также с ним согласятся. У меня нет ничего порочного. Это наложение it imputes either an audio category or both an audio and a meaning category onto a, a hologram a mental hologram of some objective entity. And it mixes the two together. And it's a deceptive cognition. Not mistaken, it could be accurate. Deceptive means that it deceives us, it fools us. So perhaps uh, another synonym for this would be uh, con it's confused, it's a confused cognition, it's confusing cognition. But actually it's confused. Why is it confused? Because it takes this... Why is it confused? It's because it considers this mixture to be an objective entity existing externally. Right? I perceive this object. Right? It's an it's a conventional object. It's a thing. It is in, encapsulated in plastic from Sautronsko point of view. Right? And so there's a mental hologram of a thing, not just colored patches. And now I superimpose on it the category, uh, the audio category of D or G, 
and uh, also the meaning, an object. What is it? It is a dog. And I think that there's actually objectively dog out there, whereas in fact there is just an item which is being labeled as a dog. Right, it could also Right, but it could also be a home for worms in its stomach or fleas and Right? I mean these become these become very important in terms of uh, conventions, you know, the the categories of things like good, bad, uh, vicious creature, you know, these sort of things. Or our example of an individual being and thinking that objectively there is Alex. That was always Alex. You know, that's part of this this continuum. It's not part of the continuum. This process is what is also referred to as mental labeling. It's interesting when we, you know, let's jump ahead a little bit to Prasangika, when it says that uh, uh, everything, you know, what's usually translated as everything exists by means of mental labeling, that's a very, very misleading way of translating. Because when you translate it that way, it sounds as though mental labeling produces a dog. And if, and if you didn't call it a dog, it wouldn't be a dog. And so, and so if you stop mental labeling, there would be no such thing as dogs. That's silly. So <laughs> what we are speaking about in the entire Buddhist discussion of how things exist is not really talking about how things exist. It's talking about how do you establish the existence of something. That's the Tibetan word drup, 
group is to establish, to prove something. So, how do you establish that there is such a thing as dogs? So, some of the non-prasangika schools will say that, well, from the side of the object, there are findable defining characteristics that, by their own power, make it into a dog. So Sautrantika Chittamatra would say that. Svatantrika would say, well, yes, there are these defining characteristics, but it's in connection with mental labeling that it's established as a dog. So Prasangika says, no, how do you establish that there are such things as dogs? Well, the only way to establish it is that it is what the word dog refers to on a, on a basis for imputation. So, a Buddha doesn't have conceptual cognition. When we have non-conceptual cognition, we see things. There's no mental labeling. Right, mental labeling is purely conceptual. It is imputing a metaf- you know, an audio or a word or a meaning category onto a basis, something that appears. But that doesn't mean that when we see this thing, it's not a dog, and only when we see it as a dog, it makes it a dog. And a Buddha doesn't see dogs. This is silly. So we see dogs. We see we see various things. But how do you establish that there is such a thing as a dog? Well, it's all you can say is that it's what the word or concept refers to, whether or not you use it, whether or not you label, you you superimpose it on something. It doesn't matter. So this is true for a Buddha as well. What establishes that there are such things as dogs for a Buddha? Same thing. Mental labeling, that it's what a word refers to. That's all that, that can establish it. Even though a Buddha would not 
mentally label. You know, the mind of a Buddha doesn't conceptually label things. But to really understand what's going on with a conceptual cognition in which we perceive things through categories, we have to analyze much more uh, precisely what actually are the contents of a, conce- a conceptual appearance, a mental appearance or the hologram in a conceptual cognition when we think dog. Now we can think dog upon seeing this animal and we can also think dog without seeing the animal, can't we? And our cognition of it, you know, that moment can be accompanied by a mental sound of the word or not. You can think dog without a, men- a, a, a mental voice in your head saying dog. Right? So, although there is an audio category involved here, there doesn't have to be a mental sound involved. Those are different. Right? We understand that this thing is a dog when I think of it, and although I don't say the word dog in my head, there is a category defined with, uh, you know, derived from, from a word and having a meaning. Okay, now, static phenomenon, metaphysical phenomenon, do not have the qualities of these non-static phenomenon. The category does not have a color and shape. The category doesn't have a smell, it doesn't have a sound, doesn't have a taste, doesn't have a physical sensation. Category is not aware of anything. Right? It's what we call, what I'm translating as a metaphysical entity. Not a physical. Alright? So, what actually is going on in a 
conceptual cognition when we think dog. Think of a dog. Now, how would we analyze what appeared in your mind? How would we analyze this? First of all, we don't have so much time, so I'll just uh, maybe actually let's let's be a little bit like a Buddhist teacher and just <laughs> stop in a few moments and ask you to try to analyze what actually is appearing in your mind when you think of a dog. Is there a dog that appears? Is it a specific dog? What kind of dog is it that appears? Does the category dog only refer to your mental picture of a dog? What do you think of? What do you think of a dog? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Okay, so we will analyze this and think about this over lunch, and then we'll discuss it after. But uh, do you have a few questions that uh, you might like to ask? We have time for one or two. Any questions? Right now. Yes. Okay, so he's asking, what do we mean by saying that a mental hologram, in this case we were talking about uh, in non-conceptual sense perception, sense perception is always non-conceptual, although he could imagine that uh, in terms of a visual cognition it's transparent, what does it mean in terms of the other senses? So, for instance, you have a mental hologram of language when you hear. But through that, it's transparent. Transparent, of course, is a a word that implies visual, but we don't really have a word that can cover all the senses. But nevertheless, through that, it doesn't block Mm -hmm. the external sound. 
Прозрачность это, конечно, термин такой, относящийся к визуальному ряду больше, да, поэтому и ассоциации легче возникают там и сложнее в другом. Но воспринимать это как беспрепятственность некую, да, то есть это не блокирует, эта голограмма не блокирует. Например, когда мы слушаем речь, у нас есть ментальная голограмма языка, да, но она не блокирует, не становится препятствием, а сквозь нее мы воспринимаем объект, речь слова смысла, да. Now, introduce the way that the non-galupas say, they say that the mental hologram is opaque. Why? Because you only have a mental hologram and sense perception of one moment of sense data. Потому что вы обладаете лишь sense data, visual data or audio data or whatever. У вас есть ментальная голограмма восприятия объекта лишь одного сенсорного одного пакета сенсорной информации, да? And so, when I have a mental hologram of that, that's the next moment. И ментальная голограмма этого уже возникает в следующий момент. And so the object that the external object from which this mental hologram comes no longer exists. And so that mental hologram is opaque in the sense that you cannot see or perceive through it that which gave rise to it. Pardon? It's one moment old. Well, not old. Because, uh, let's just say no. You can't say one more. No, let's not get into old and fresh because now we're introducing characteristics of the common sense object. So you don't want to common sense object gets old and and so on. So let's not talk about that. We're just saying that here is a moment of sense data only lasts for a moment. That's the external object. Next moment, mental hologram of it. That mental hologram is opaque. You cannot see through it that moment that was before of the external object because now there's the next moment of sense data. So it is opaque in that sense. Представляет собой один момент бытия объекта, один пакет сенсорной информации, который поступил от объекта, как от печи, да, натального источника. И в тот момент она возникает вслед за ним, за этим пакетом сенсорной информации. И она является непрозрачной в том смысле, что возникнув после него, она уже не представляет следующий момент объекта, который существует в данный момент с ним. Понятно, да? Тем самым она не коррелирует с его реальностью. This is why I was saying the Galupa approach implies a closer connection with the external world because what you are perceiving is a common sense object that endures over time so through the hologram you, is, you're transparent you're actually still seeing the common sense object which has a continuity of moments. И вот почему мы говорим, что воззрение Гилук, оно больше коррелирует, как бы, ближе сводит, вводит нас в более близкий контакт с внешней относительной реальностью, да, поскольку мы говорим о прозрачности, и мы 
все время находимся в контакте с реальностью этого объекта в данный момент, как бы, да, и с ней связаны. Okay. I mean, the example that comes to my mind, I haven't analyzed it uh, thoroughly, so excuse me if, upon analysis, my analogy is wrong. But when we hear a message coming from Mars, you know, in one of these space probes that are out there, well, it is, I forget what the time lag is, some scientists here must know, what is it, eight minutes? Eight minutes from the sun. What is it from Mars? In any case, a certain period of time has elapsed. And so when we hear the signal from Mars, well, that's not happening on Mars now, is it? So we're not actually hearing the sound on Mars. We're hearing, we have a, a hologram of it in a sense, another representation of it that that through which we cannot actually see that, you know, hear that sound. That would be the non-Gluck uh, explanation, uh, by analogy. Некая фраза, речь, да, переданная нам сигнал, переданный, например, с Марса. Я не знаю, сколько составляет там задержка от Солнца, она, по-моему, 8 минут. Вот, сколько-то она тоже составляет, соответственно, существенное время от Марса. И слышу, например, фразу, сказанную там и переданную нам со скоростью там, света да, оттуда, а мы а, не будем слышать посредством... Это, это будет просто ментальная голограмма, возникшая в нашем уме, представляющая то, что было сказано на Марсе, там, скажем, Exactly. 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 The same thing with stars. We see light from a star in the now, and the star might not exist now at all. So this opens up a, a door to a very, very large discussion of can we see the past? And what is the existence of past? Let's not go into this large room. <laughs> и прочее, что мы видим, когда видим свет звезд, да, и насколько они там вообще сейчас в данный момент есть и прочее. И это все открывает двери для широкой такой глубокой дискуссии вообще о том, что такое прошлое, насколько мы можем воспринимать прошлое, насколько сейчас deceive you that it's easy. It's probably the most complicated thing I've written so far on what does a Buddha know when a Buddha knows the past, present, and future. It's a very, very complex issue. And for those of you who are ready and ready to go further, I can recommend this question, to read this question, to read this question, 
одной из статей на моем сайте, она очень и очень такая глубокая, наверное, самая сложная из того, что я когда-либо написал, поэтому не ожидайте, что будет легко ее прочесть и понять. Она заглавлена примерно так, что знает Будда, когда он знает, когда мы говорим о том, что он знает прошлое, настоящее и будущее три времени. That topic is probably one of the most uh, confusing and perplexing topics in uh, Buddhism because it gives us the false impression that everything is determined already if a Buddha can see the future. But from the Galupa point of view, we are hearing the conventional sound, the common sense sound that's coming from Mars, and we're not, we don't get into a discussion here in terms of the common sense object, in terms of past, present, future, etc. But we're talking about a continuum that holds its own essential nature, Ngo Zimba, that it holds its essential nature as an individual item with a continuity. That we hear the sound on Mars. Of course, what we are, we hear it through this electronic representation eight minutes later or 20 minutes later or however long the delay is. Гелупа будет утверждать, что слыша эти звуки, мы слышим звуки с Марса. То есть, да, в этом электронном исполнении, да, через это медиа, через это посредство этого передачи, да, с такой-то задержкой столько-то минут там или часов, да, но тем не менее. It's the same thing. You speak on the telephone. What are you actually hearing? Do you hear the other person's sound? Uh, the sound of their voice? Что вы слышите? Голос другого человека или что? Well, we are actually hearing the vibration of some sort of membrane that's coming from all sorts of electric uh, impulses. I mean, it's really very, very uh, amazing, isn't it? So, so it's true that the sound that that's coming out of the telephone, that electronic representation, is not the voice of my friend speaking at the other end. That's true. Galupa will agree. That's true. But through that electronic representation, we hear the voice of the other person. That's what it means by being transparent. Okay. So, let's break for lunch and then we'll continue.